morning, everyone. You're listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. My name is Kate Copsey, and I am the host of the show. You can contact me from my webpage, katecopsey.com, or through America's Web Radio Station site. This morning, we are going to continue with our seasonal gift shows, and this is the second week of discussing gardening gifts for your family and friends. And this morning, we are going to chat with Pam Roosh from Pennsylvania. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, Kate. Yes. Um, so let's start um, a little about your background in gardening, how long you've been do- doing it, and the type of gardening that you enjoy to do. I don't even want to tell you how long I've been gardening, but it's <laughs> a long time. And uh, I, do, I do gardening of all kinds. I do some garden coaching with private clients. I grow vegetables for a farm-to-table inn, and I also do some historic gardening for... Um, a museum and historic house in Princeton, New Jersey. Oh, and that, that's a beautiful historic garden. I've been to Morven a couple of times. A lovely garden that you've got there. And I, I used to do that down, down in Atlanta. And historic and heirloom plants are just such... They To me, they have so much character compared, compared to some of the new newer plants on the market. But, oh, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not grown for landscaping. They're grown for the enjoyment of growing. They're grown for the sense and just for the... You know the the, the, the sheer uh, fullness and beauty. So I, I totally agree with you. And we yeah. have a plant there where we sell these sorts of plants every May. Yeah, and and of course they come with stories, which is always um, it adds that richness to growing them. But let's start start with this um, this gift giving idea. Um, obviously, you're an experienced gardener, um, but there are some uh, beginning gardeners out there, or people that you think would enjoy gardening that haven't uh, maybe done any gardening before. How does that make a difference? Do you think when you approach uh, giving a gift to those gardeners? I think when you're a beginning gardener, tools can make all the difference in the world. If you start with uh, tools that don't work for you, you may be turned off by the whole idea of gardening. So I think as uh, experienced gardeners, it's, it's almost our duty to provide beginning gardeners with the right tools so that they can, you know, so that they can do this thing properly, so that they can get involved in the process of gardening and have success rather than frustration. Oh, yes, and I, and I think, you know, a, a particular thing where that really does make um, a big difference. I, I remember when I, f- many years ago, when we were, f- when I first got a, a tomato plant given to me, we didn't have a tool, and I, I remember just looking around the house. I think I used a dessert, old dessert spoon from inside to dig the hole. You know, oh, have, <laughs> you know having, the, having the right tool for that might have made, it, made the hole a little bigger. <laughs> Well, I can give you an example of a perfect digging tool, and it's one that I discovered a couple of years ago, and I have recommended to everybody. There's a line of shovels and forks made by a company called Radius, and they, uh, they have circular handles. It's supposed to be ergonomic. I don't know about that, but all I know is they have a shovel called a Pro Transplanter, which has a, a narrow it's a spade with a very narrow end, and it just sinks right into any sort of soil, and I just love it. Uh, it goes into the soil very easily, uh-huh. and you can dig big and small holes, and um, it just makes 
it makes digging holes fun, if you can believe that. <laughs> yeah, I, I might have to look for that that one because my, my favourite tool right now is a pickaxe. <laughs> for, oh, oh you know, um, because, <laughs> yeah, that, you I, know, when you've got clay soil, which I have, I've had uh-huh. many times, um, right now I'm on sand, but, you know, digging holes repeatedly, a pickaxe makes it so quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I would advise giving a pickaxe as a garden gift. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know it wouldn't come in most people's garden bag, but, uh, but yeah, that, that, that's kind of one of my fa- favorite ones. Um, another way, I think, of dividing gardeners um, is into passive versus active gardeners. Passive being think people maybe that just put maybe a, f- a few um, annuals around the foundation planting, really just for curb appeal, maybe one container or so, um, versus the ones that are always fussing with walking around getting weeds and, and enjoy getting new plants. Um, how would you divide, um, How would you approach those types with what you would think for, for gifts for either one? Uh, I think there are some gifts that are appropriate for either passive or active gardening, gardeners. Uh, for example, uh, a good weeder. I, I really like my cobra head weeder hand tool. And that is appropriate for any gardener at all. It's easy to carry around. It's lightweight. You can use it for anything. Gardening gloves are another idea for either passive or active gardeners. And uh, when I think of gardening gloves... I think the expensive leather gloves are not what most gardeners will actually use. You want something that's going to be inexpensive, that you can buy in multiple pairs, that you're not going to be upset if you get it too dirty or too ruined. So <laughs> gardening gloves are good for anybody at all. Yeah. Uh, for a passive gardener, I might suggest an indoor-outdoor thermometer so that you can check the the temperatures, check out, check what's going on outside um, from your kitchen window, or, you know, a stylish watering can is good for uh, a passive gardener or an active gardener. Yeah. So and I- just a few examples. Yeah, and I, actually, I think garden, garden gloves. I mean, everybody can use them, but my my prime, um, I guess my my favourite ones are, are the long leather ones. Uh, but I think it's more important probably that they are washable, um, washable because exactly. I've had a couple yeah. of gloves that you know you wash them and you stick them in the dryer because it's the middle of winter. And they, they've got kind of a, a plasticky, leathery thing that just gets all gunged up and, mm-hmm. you know, a, give me a good, soft leather one and I, I'm much happier. <laughs> well, I, I have, you know, a bunch of garden gloves. I have my Atlas nitrile gloves, which I use all the time, all season long. I go through them. I, I order them by the dozen. Um, but I also have my leather gloves for pruning roses because oh, yes. those little nitrile gloves aren't going to make it when you're pruning roses. So, um, and there are rose gloves that will extend almost all the way up to your elbow, and that can be an advantage when you've got a rose garden. Oh, I think it's uh, that they are so useful when you've got prickly things like like roses and, uh, or even if you're go- going through a lot of heavy, dense undergrowth and clearing ground. Um, those those longer gloves really do stop um, contamination and things like that getting onto yeah. you. Um, so I, I I love those. Um, and but I, actually, like like you, I. I Sometimes at the beginning of the season, I'll go actually out, out to somewhere like the big box store and buy um, a bag of those black work gloves. 
and they kind of they mix and match. I don't think they come in left and right. <laughs> Maybe there's about six different pairs in there, and and uh, you know those just stay in a bucket for for the really dirty jobs like uh, mulching and things like that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean it, it, I it's. Find, a, I find that when I use my gloves, I always get holes in the right glove first. <laughs> so I end up with a whole bunch of left gloves that I've been known to put on my right hand in a pinch. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think garden gloves are, are great great ideas, and so so indeed are I think a, a decent garden hat as well, because you're often out there in the sun. Um, so, so having something to shade your head is very important, yeah. I think. And it had a chin pot, because when you're out there on a windy day, you could lose your hat very easily. So having having something that ties on is important. Now, while while we're on the subject of tools. Another thing I find to be very handy that most gardeners don't have is some sort of holster that you can slip a pair of pruners in or maybe a, a scissor or something. Something to carry with you. Throw your cell phone in there. So I have been known to buy holsters for, for gardeners. That, that slip onto a, a belt around your, your waist? Some do, and some have clips. Uh-huh. Um, right now it does slip onto my belt. I, I have one of those things that go around the, the bucket, a standard bucket, and that can put a lot of thing, different things in it. I do not gen- generally have a cell phone out there. I, first of all, I lose my cell phone <laughs> if it's out there. <laughs> and sometimes I just want to be out of communication <laughs> and with the world. Oh, um, uh, well, that's always an option. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, but it does, the, the things that go around the bucket, I think they're incredibly useful. I, I think they're called uh, bucket skirts or something like that. Um, and, and they do have... You can keep a lot of tools in them. The downside is that they get heavy when you have too many tools in them. Uh, when ah, you, yeah. yeah. Well, I have to admit, if somebody gave me one of them, I would probably be overjoyed. So yes, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So so I, but yes, I, I think uh, you know sun hats and things like that. Um, you know they're. They're just good. They're just good for for you. Um, but you're right. When it's windy, um, having some way of of getting them round round your neck is is really good. Um, are there are there any um, particular brands that that you like um, for for hats particularly? Mm, don't find in gardening stores. I find them in outdoor stores like an LL Bean or a place like that. Um, because gardening hats tend to be straw and they they tend to be not as practical as those that you might find in an, another type of an outdoor adventuring store. So that's where I would recommend looking for a good gardening hat. They usually have um, solar ratings, you know, so that they're protective from the sun and they have some ventilation around. I'm always on the lookout for a good gardening hat. Yeah, and and again, it's quite useful to have those that uh, can be washed if if needed. I, I don't think they need washing as as often, obviously, as as gloves do. But I have found found once or twice it's useful to have um, to be able to be able to wash them a couple of times in the season because when you get hot out there, um, you know the the hat the, the hat is important um, to keep to keep on. But you do get a little sweaty and whatever it needs. You can get. You're right. Yeah. Um, and, 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 of course, there, there are some that have um, flaps on the back to protect the back of your neck. That, I think, ah, is... I have one. I have one of those, yes. 
Yeah, and and I think to to a great extent we need to throw fashion out of the window when it comes to practicalities. Although some people can look incredibly elegant when they're when they're in the garden, um, but but I think practicality should trump that in my view anyway. But you know, on the other hand, um, you might just stop at one hat. You can have you can have your hat that you're. I, I have three hats that I use regularly. One I use when I'm really down and dirty, and when I don't really care what I look like. It's apes on my head. It's 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 dirty around the edges. Nobody's seeing me anyway, so it doesn't matter. I have another that's a little more presentable that I wear to clients' houses, and I have a third that I bring with me when I'm going to garden tours, when I want to protect from the sun. Um, but I also feel like I don't want to be wearing my dirty old gardening hat. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can, you can go on and on with that. <laughs> And, and there's a certain pers- personal uh, uh, opinions or, or personal decisions that, that have to be made. But, you know, we need to go for our first commercial break here, but we will be back with more, talking with Pam Roosh about some great gifts for gardeners on America's homegrown veggies. So join us back in just a moment. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory, ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless Patriot Conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show, At Home with Paisley, every week, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. Remember, you can catch up with us on Facebook at America's Homegrown Veggies. And if you miss any shows, you can find them on americaswebradio.com webpage. You can also find them on iTunes and Stitchers. This morning, we are celebrating the gift-giving season with Pam Roosh, who is sharing what she thinks are great gifts for gardeners. And we ended up talking um, a little about hats and having different hats, I guess, for different gardening situations. Um, so let's talk a little more about the tools. Um, we we meant you mentioned too in the first segment the cobra head um, weeder. I think that is great for every gar- gardener. Um, I've used it in my last couple of gardens for multiple things, but everything from move, moving rocks, um, gravel from on top of a garden, which I inherited, uh, making holes in landscape fabric, which was underneath gravel. Um, and, yeah, and, and sometimes even just dragging the weed bucket to me because I've got a handle on the weed oh. bucket, <laughs> I tend to leave it behind. Um, so I think it's a great tool. What do, what do you, you use yours for? I use it for everything. It is my go-to tool. Now, if um, some of your listeners aren't familiar with Cobra Head, uh, what it is, it's a very solid handle, which will never come off, unlike some other weeders, and a curved metal blade. And the end of the blade is shaped like the head of a cobra, thus the name Cobra Head. So it is useful for uh, digging out weeds. You can leverage things with it. You can uh, kind of push it against rocks and pull them out of the soil. You can make little furrows for planting. You can punch it into the soil with a whole arm motion, which is what I really like about that. I found uh, after a few years of gardening that I was starting to get wrist problems. So I try not to use my wrist when I'm gardening, I try to use my whole arm. And uh, with a, a tool, tool like that that you can punch into the soil, um, you, I think you avoid wrist problems. Yeah. Um, and yet you're right about them being really sturdy. Um, but I, I, I do find sometimes that, that I, I can tell the muscles that I've used when I've been using that for a while. We only need one set of muscles. So, yeah, I think we, we need to make them last. Yeah, um, but uh, but yeah, I, I, and they go into little tiny spaces, which is something like if you if you're weeding between beans or or um, onions, maybe when they're coming yeah. up, you know those yeah, things exactly. are spaced yeah only two inches apart, and they can just scrape between them, which is uh, re- really a, they go into those tight spaces without disturbing the roots, so they can do very shallow yeah. uh, weeding. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I like that. Um, and I think you can get that online direct from the company. I think Burpee also sells that. I don't know. Um... I would recommend going direct to the company. The company itself is interesting. It's a father who designed it. I believe his children are also involved in the company. He, he believed very fervently in this idea of uh, weeding, the sand weeding tool, and he did everything he could to market it. And it is still just a very small family operation. So I would recommend buying directly from them. And, and I think they, they do a newsletter as well, um, which, which, is, which is a fun newsletter. Um, yeah, I think Noel is the father 
um, and I'm blanking on the name of the sun. But they, they live, one lives in Texas and one lives in the north, so they, it's great seeing the two gardens uh, develop. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll have, to, I'll have to sign up for that newsletter. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, some, something else on, on your list which, um, which I found rather interesting, and may, maybe as a throwback to your historical gardening, um, you've got an old-fashioned galvanised watering can. Why, why does that make a difference to the plastic ones that are around? Oh, it's, it's just, there's such an aesthetic to those old galvanized cans. When you're not using it to water, and first of all, they work very well for watering. They're usually nicely balanced. If you get an old watering can, uh, it usually has a good um, capacity and a good balance to it. But also, it just looks good in the garden. You know, you can just leave it sitting in your vegetable garden, and it's part of the picture. So I, I just feel that... Um, the aesthetic works in, in any kind of garden. So, so it's, it's a, a, a garden art as, as much as... Uh, I, I guess it leaves a romantic feeling. Put your garden hat on top of it and you've got a picture. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, you, you mentioned a little about an indoor-outdoor thermometer. Um, and, in fact, last week, CL and I were talking about thermometers. Um, I tend to bring my, my – my, sorry, that, that was a rain gauge that, that we were talking about. There's apparently one that uh, you can leave out all through the winter. Oh. But I, I like the ones that, that are, are um, remote, uh, where you've got the sensor in the garden and you can read it comfortably in the kitchen. Um, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, you can buy me one of them too, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I don't. I ended up not using rain gauges. I've gone through so many, and what happens is they end up cracking. And so, what I usually do instead of a rain gauge is I just let a bucket sit outside and I measure the water in the bucket at the end of the storm. But a thermometer is is good to know because we do. You know, we do we are curious about the, the temperature and how much it goes, how cold it's going to be. And I think it's, um, and there are so many interesting um, thermometers that you can stick on your window that will tell you more than just the temperature. So I, I think it's fun. It's a fun gift. Uh-huh. So, so what, what are the features besides the, the literal temperature would, would one get from one that's basically stuck on a window oh you're getting out of my area of expertise here all i know is i have i've gone uh perusing and plowing hearth and i've seen all these cool little gadgets and i just i have this thermometer envy you know i would like all of them <laughs> so i think it's a it's, it would be a good place to you know just to peruse and to find something that you think um would be fun uh-huh. And I, I know there are some little gadgets out, out there that you can actually put into the garden. Um, knowing how much sun and shade a garden has in any particular plant as to whether it's full sun or part sun. Um, and, and this little, I guess it's like a little sunflower disc that you with a, a stake and you, you put it into the garden and it actually tells you whether you're getting, at the end of 24 hours, whether you've got a full sun situation or a part sun situation or a full shade situation. And I think that yeah. those, are, those are really fun if, you're, if you know somebody that's got a new garden or is new to gardening in general and is confused about how much sun an area gets. Yeah, I've, I've never actually used them, but yeah, they could be useful in that situation. 
Yeah. Um, actually, I'm, I'm making a log for, for myself about what, where the sun hits my particular gardens. Um, but, yeah. but, yeah, um, something else on your list is a solar-powered garden ornament or lan- lantern. Um, are those fairly common now, and do they, are, are they, can you buy, buy them fairly easily? I've seen the solar-powered, and I see them of all kinds. I've seen them that, are, that look like little mobiles. I've seen uh, pots that are solar-powered, that the pot itself actually lights up. So I think the, um, the possibilities are pretty much. Yeah, and at, actually this morning I, I was looking for a solar-powered um, birdbath heater. Um, they don't don't seem to be very common on the market, but uh, you know, if you're going to heat a bird, bird bath, you tr- yeah. traditionally you have to um, plug it into an outdoor socket. But I would like one a little further away from the house, and that would have to be solar powered. Um, so I thought that that would be interesting to find, and I haven't found one yet. I am I I'm going to keep looking. Uh, I've also seen solar powered little fountains that uh, can make a can. Um, aerate a small pond, a small garden pond. I've never tried them. I can't vouch for how they work, but I have seen them on the market. And I, I know, obviously, little little fountains would keep the the water moving, and that might be sufficient for borderline areas. Whether that that would work in um, the Midwest, where, where it does get much colder, um, I don't know. Um, but uh, but yes, I, I think that that would be a, a fun. A fun idea, um, and you also um, you, you you did men- mention the, uh, the the radius pro planter. Um, there, there are a lot of um, different handles now that you can get on on different planters uh, that make it e- easier for the, those of us whose hands are getting a little older. Um, is is the radius pro what that type of thing on the handle to make it easier to hold? Uh, that is the idea. Um, I, I don't. I don't think it's uh, a great stride forward as far as handles go. Uh, it's really the sharpness of the blade that makes me like that tool. But there, there, there are other tools that are ergonomically designed, particularly for women. There's a company out there called Green Heron Tools based in Pennsylvania. Oh, those are great, great people. Yeah. Yes, yes. And there are a couple of women that have worked to design tools that work for women. Um, they have uh, a, a special handle that they have. They've done studies. They've had these tools tested. So, if you are buying a tool for a woman gardener, uh, this would be a nice thing to look into. Tools that are scaled and designed particularly for women. Yes, and they they have a really nice size uh, garden spade, I believe it is. Um, they do. Yes. Yeah, which is. Yes, uh, it's another thing on my tool uh, want list. It's, it's, it's not cheap, so you have to have a gardener that you really like a lot to buy that tool, but um, it looks like an excellent tool. It is on my list. One of these days, I will get myself one. Oh, wow. So that's on your list, right? It is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and talking of gadgets, though, I think thermometers, we talked about um, garden thermometers, but I I seem to remember last year when we were talking garden gifts, somebody really wanted a long uh, spike one that's meant for uh, compost to see how hot your compost is getting. Yeah, and um, I think that that is for a pretty serious gardener. Most people, uh, even if they get into composting, are, are not as into it that they take the temperature of the compost. However, 
uh, a thermometer like that would have other uses. Uh, for example, when you plant your things, when you decide when to plant your, your various vegetables in the spring, uh, how they will perform depends on the soil temperature. Oh, that's uh, for right. For example, spinach will not germinate once the soil gets too warm. If the soil is much above 70 degrees, it's not going to germinate very well. So if you're trying to plant spinach in the late summer so that you can have a fall crop, uh, it would be good to, to find some way to cool your, your, your soil, you know, spread ice on it or something, get it to the temperature where you can germinate spinach. And the only way you're going to know what that temperature is is with a soil thermometer. So there are other uses for those. Yeah, um, that, that's a good, a good idea. I never thought about, about that, but that is very, very true both in the spring and in the fall. But, you know, we need to take another quick commercial break here, but I want to remind everyone you're listening to America's Homegrown Veggies, and we'll be back in just a moment with some more gift ideas. Hi, everybody. It's Don Zabkar, your host for Who Knew? We air Mondays 2 to 3 on America's Web Radio and then occasionally throughout the week. We've got some great subjects. This administration or this regime, as you know, is providing us with great material. So stay tuned. Check us out. America's Web Radio. It's Who Knew with Don Zapcar. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is Cheryl Linker, host of the Master Gardener Hour on America's Web Radio, Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. Join us as we keep things fun and interesting as we educate you in the world of master gardening. Today's consumers find themselves faced with a greater variety of choices than ever before, both in the food they eat and the information they receive about that food. Feedstuff's Food Link was created to provide you with a balanced source of information for making decisions about your family's balanced diet. Visit FeedStuffsFoodLink.com to learn about your food directly from the source, the people who work every day to provide it. FeedStuffsFoodLink.com, connecting farm to fork. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. You're back listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I am the host of the show, Kate Copsey, and this morning we are talking with Pam Rouge from Pennsylvania all about different garden gifts that you can give to the gardener in your life or, in some cases, maybe you want to put them on your list. Um, And, Pam, we talked a a little about um, gadgets and clothing in the last one, Uh, so last segment. So let's uh, move on to maybe some some good garden books um, that that are out there. I mean, should we go for the um, maybe the the species ones like All About Roses or or Heirloom Plants, something like that, or should we go on a more general type thing about maybe insects, um, how to identify um, the illness in your plant? Which ones do you prefer to receive? Uh, I have so, so many gardening books. And I have to say, the ones that I find myself uh, looking at most are those that are about insects. 
and about what to do with my vegetables. So um, now that's not to say that I have not used all of the others in the past, but I, I find that for, for staying power, the ones that I look at over and over again are those that are going to help me identify what's going on in my garden. Uh -huh. One that I really like is Whitney Cranshaw's Garden Insects of North America. And it's a big, fat book that has every insect that you can imagine. Whitney Cranshaw is uh, very knowledgeable and a good writer. And it's, uh, it's just a very handy book. Now, once I find the insect in there, I generally look online and get some more information. But it's really a good place to start. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I like the uh, good, good Bugs, Bad Bugs book which is a, a much smaller book it's not comprehensive by any way <laughs> but but it's great because you can actually take that out into the garden uh, Je jessica wallace did that um oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that, that that's nice because i say it's got kind of a waterproof on the pages so you can actually take it into the garden and identify the the whatever um and it it, it tends to do the the most common ones i think once you go out, out of sort of the 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 20 most common things in, in a garden from America, you get down, um, you know, to the individual ones, which maybe are, are not, not included in there. But, uh, but yeah, that, that one's a great one. Um, another one I'd like to mention if, for beginning gardeners, uh, Katie Elsa Peters brought out, um, I think last spring, a, a guard, garden, first-time garden book. Um, I'm blanking on the actual name but it, it was basically um your first time gar gardener book which gives you a lot of information um on a very general basis for the new gardener uh, which i thought was gr was terrific yes yes there are, there are quite a few uh how-to books for new gardeners uh fern bradley has one about vegetable gardening again i'm forgetting the actual name of the of the book but it's one that i refer to she's an excellent gardener herself and she has a, a very clear way of telling you what to do with what vegetable, how to plant it, um, how deep, what the problems um, might be that, on that particular vegetable. And it's all arranged in an alphabetical format, which makes it very easy to use. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think particularly um, young gardeners or new gardeners, and there's a whole generation of middle-aged new gardeners, I might add, um, that, uh -huh. yeah, um, that, that help, help to, to do, do that. And I sometimes think that um, some of the more whimsical uh, ones that are, are stories rather than um, how-tos are kind of fun for gardeners as well. Um, do you know any of those? The more whimsical not-so-how-tos? Well, uh, there are some wonderful garden writers out there, and I, I, I think about the older writers, uh, Alan Lacey, for example, or Beverly Nichols, and they're just so much fun to read. Yeah, um, and I, I, I think, uh, you know, when, when you go to some of the, the old, older books uh, particularly, um, I, I like um, Alice Moore's Earl. Um, who yes, who yes. did some very opinionated ones? That, that mainly they come from antique dealers now, um, but those those are, are more they're, they're just fun fun to read. Um, and they are a lot of fun, yeah. And you know, if you want to get more serious into the nuts and bolts of what's going on in the environment, I'm crazy about Michael Pollan, and most gardeners uh, like that sort of writing as well. It's not it's not a how to book, but uh, the Omnivore's Dilemma, for example, or one of his early books, Second Nature, 
uh, really get you into the philosophy of gardening and, and, and the environmental side of gardening. I, I love to read that sort of, of book also. Yeah, um, and I think if they're well presented, it doesn't scare you, but it educates you as well, which I think is uh, should be the, the point of a, a good book. Um, and yeah, yeah. And so, so what about um, plants? Um, typically, this season tends to be in the middle of winter. Um, are plants really a practical thing to think of um, as a gift? Plants, uh, I think. To buy somebody a a gift certificate is always a nice idea, especially if it's a mail order company, because then you can peruse that that website all winter long and just salivate over all the different possibilities. Plants themselves, though, there are definitely some plants that you can buy in winter. Orchids, for example. Orchids are wonderful to have on the middle of your table, and they last so long. You can buy orchids at a fairly reasonable price now compared to what they cost in the past. Uh, they're they're uh, propagated in different ways, which allows the people to sell them for, oh, uh, the, the neighborhood of $30 or maybe a little more, depending on the variety of orchids. Uh, I particularly like the Phalaenopsis for uh, an easy garden plant because you don't have to do much of anything. You water it once a week and it will bloom for sometimes up to four months. Oh, wow. You can't get much more out of a plant than that. And then then you stick it into a back room until next winter? Or what do you do with it as an aftercare once it's stopped blooming? You want to put it in a window, um, an east-facing window. Uh, South might be a little harsh, but it's possible that you can get away with a south-facing window, but once it stops blooming, you, you take you take it and you put it somewhere where it will get adequate light, and you, you don't want to do much of anything to it until you see it starting to grow again. Once you see it starting to put on growth, then you start to fertilize it maybe once a week with a, with a weak solution, and eventually it will send up another flowering shoot. That usually happens in the winter. Uh-oh. And then once it does that, once the, the shoot goes up and develops buds, then you can put it on stage again. Oh, yes. I, I'm, I'm always a little... They always look so delicate, the orchids, and I'm, I'm a little worried about, about bringing them into my house with my uh, sort of active lifestyle. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That... Well, what I do with mine in the winter is I have a bathroom window and the bathroom uh, tends to have a little bit more humidity than most of the room, other rooms in the house. And I have a, a high shelf in the bathroom window. And off-season, I put my orchids there so that uh, I see them every time I'm in the bathroom. I remember to water them. I look at them. I see what they're doing. I fertilize them. And then once they start to come to life again, then I bring them out. Oh, what a so great can, idea. So that everyone else can enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think some, sometimes if you get gift certificates, um, particularly to private nurseries or independent nurse, nurseries, you, you do you can get all sorts of plants, not just now but in in the spring. Um, one one of my uh, last nurseries in Ohio was into he was be- did beautiful containers, so you could buy um, a container of for a gift um, and then give a gift certificate for. 
um, having it planted because they actually took, you take your container, they plant it, and then you pick it up in the evening. Um, and I think that would be a wonderful thing for a gardener. Oh, absolutely. The other nice thing about giving um, a gift certificate to an independent seller is that a gardener um, may want to get something other than a plant, might want to get a particular kind, particular kind of soil mix or fertilizer. So that allows them to pick and choose what they need for the garden. Yeah. Um, uh, another winter plant, though, since we're, we're talking about winter plants, something that someone gave me a few years ago and I just really enjoyed and I have since gotten one every year is a cyclamen. Cyclamen, oh. you find them in the grocery stores and, you know, they're, they're, they're everywhere in winter. But there are some varieties that tend to rebloom better than others. Uh-huh. So you, you, I, I think it would be a smart idea to go to a nursery and ask for a cyclamen that will rebloom. Uh, a cyclamen, like a like an African violet, should be bottom watered, so you can pair it with a really nice container that it can be nestled in, and then you can bottom water the cyclamen, and usually they will rebloom the entire winter. Oh, very nice! And I think the winter is when we really need um, something attractive to look at, yes, because yes, quite absolutely. quite yeah, because quite often outside is just blah. <laughs> Whether it's got snow or not, it's a little blah. So that uh, and you also mentioned um, a gift certificate for workshops, like a hypertufa workshop. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I only mentioned hypertufa workshop because it's something that I've wanted to do for years. But, you know, the, the season comes along and I get too busy and I forget and I say next year. So I, I think if, if you know somebody like that and you get them a gift certificate, then they will actually do it. And I, I know that there are hypertrophal workshops at uh, independent nurseries, sometimes at arboretums uh, or public gardens, so that you can um, give people that gift of you know, learning a new skill. Uh, not just a hypertrophic workshop, though. There are workshops of all types, and that would be an excellent choice for somebody that is always educating themselves about aspects of gardening. Yeah. And actually, I, I would imagine that um, getting somebody a membership um, to something like an arboretum or, or something like that, maybe that charges um, entry or, or one of the public gardens like Longwood Garden. Uh, membership yeah, to something like yeah, that that's would... an excellent idea. Yeah. And by doing that, you're, you're really giving a double gift. You're giving a gift to an organization that you want to support and you're giving a gift to that person. Uh, one organization I might suggest is the Garden Conservancy. There, uh, you, you sort of get a... a triple gift out of it because the Garden Conservancy is a non-profit organization that supports the restoration of the store garden, so you're helping their mission. You are helping uh, the person because they are a member of this organization and get their, their newsletters and their information. But the Garden Conservancy also has a program called Open Days. And oh, that's right. The Open Days program is when gardens in various parts of the country are open to the public. And people can go on these trips and visit these gardens for, I I believe they're $5 each, and see what individual gardeners are doing in their gardens. So there are so many ways you can enjoy 
yeah. membership to the garden community. Oh, I, I think you're right, and that, that, that would be a great organization. But, you know, we need to take our final commercial break here, but come back to listen to more about after these messages. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick stakes, Q-U-I-K stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is Dr. Susan Blank, Medical Director for the Atlanta Healing Center. Our team is able to offer a multitude of treatment options, such as quantitative EEG, also known as brain mapping, hormonal and nutritional assessments, neuropsychological testing, and cognitive therapy, along with traditional 12-step facilitation. And we can even offer you, if appropriate, a gentle medically managed detox. Please contact us at 770-696-9862. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day, the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory, ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless Patriot Conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. I hope you're enjoying America's homegrown veggie show this morning. We have been talking about gifts for gardeners on your list with Pam Roosh, who has a great website called helpinggardenersgrow.com. What's on that website, Pam? Helping Gardeners Grow is my blog, and it is where I have fun. It's where I write about whatever I want to write about. It's it's not a how-to website. It's really all about the the thought for me while I'm in the garden I do some research about insects and the various stages of insects. Um, so it's, it's, it's my anything goes. We do so much writing for other people where um, there are restrictions, but there are no restrictions on helping gardens grow. It's also some place where I explore ideas that have to do with nature journaling, which um, is something that I've been involved with for the past couple of years. 
I am in the process of developing a new website called artofnaturejournaling.com. I hope to have that up sometime this winter. Uh-huh. And that uh, will have a workshop schedule. It will have some pages of my journal and of other people's journal. And that uh, will be focused on exploring nature. Oh, that sounds that sounds fun. Um, and do do you have links on there to any of? Uh, I believe you work at uh, the Morven Park, which is a historic gar- garden that, that you helped restore. Do you have links or pictures of that on on your blog site? On my blog, um, there are. I'm sure. <laughs> I have to say though that you'll have to you would have to search for them. Oh. I do have a search feature, so you might find something about Morven. One of the places. Where I I work, I also have a plant sale in Morgan. Morgan is in uh, Princeton, the borough of Princeton, New Jersey. It's a wonderful um, museum and garden with a wonderful community built around it. We have a kitchen garden there. We have a colonial revival garden, and we have an heirloom plant sale every May. We call it Morgan in May. So this is... Uh, this has been a project of mine since the year 2000. I've been there for uh, going on 14 years now. So, 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 do you, so, do you sell cuttings of the the heirloom plants or the colonial plants from the garden, or are, are these things that that other members bring in to sell? We sell things that we propagate from the property, uh, perennials. We propagate uh, varieties of geranium, hellebore. Uh, green and gold, chrysogonum, um, what else, phlox, things that work particularly well, ginger, American ginger, things that work well on the property. We propagate so that we can sell to people in the area um, to use in their gardens. But I have a lot of things sold. Um, I have them grown, I'm sorry, grown, not sold. I have them grown especially for me, and they're heirloom varieties that are hard to find in your typical nursery, nurseries tend to have things that work um, for landscapers. They tend to be lower there for mass planting. Heirlooms, on the other hand, something like uh, a woodland tobacco, a woodland uh, Nicotiana sylvestris, is six feet tall when it's in full bloom. It has a wonderful night scent. It's something that is a gardener's plant. You know, you want to put it in the right place in your garden, you want to be able to enjoy that scent at night. You're not going to find that plant in most nurseries. Oh, wow. So we, we, we tend to, or, or I tend to focus on plants that are going to be hard to find, particular favorites of mine. One that I sold last year that I had been looking for for years and years and years was called uh, Leonotus, and it's a wonderful orange-blooming plant that comes into flower in late September or October, and it just it just rules the garden when it's in bloom. And I had been looking for that plant for about 15 years, finally found it, got a whole bunch of them to sell at my plant sale, and everyone has been coming back to me with stories of this plant. <laughs> so. and, and so that that's, that's held in May at the Morven property, is that right? Yeah, if you go to the website, www.morven.org, or www.morven.org, uh, you will see all the events that go on at Morven. Uh, the plant sale is uh, the first 
Saturday in May, and there's also other things going on on that same weekend. So it, it's worth looking at the website and, and getting the whole picture. And do, do you do workshops there as well? And I know we've had to fit this in between um, a co- couple of your, your workshops. On, um, I believe you were doing a, a wreath-making one. Is that right? Oh, yeah. We, we try to involve as many people as we can at Morven. Last week we did a wreath construction, a wreath decorating workshop. We had uh, somebody come in and instruct us uh, on how to decorate wreaths, the right tools to make, what to put on them. Uh, there were about 15 people involved in that. And then we went the rest of the week where we opened it up to the public, and each of those 15 people um, volunteered four hours during the week so that it just went on the entire week. We ended up with about 100 wreaths, which we will then sell at Morgan to help fund uh, the programming. Oh, wow. We also, I also did a workshop in uh, the fall on nature journaling. It was a small workshop where we met for two consecutive weeks and we talked about um, how to draw. We did some drawing exercises. We did some writing exercises. We did some research exercises. And we went out on the property and we explored. Uh, I sent them home to do their own explorations and then we shared our explorations. It was, it was a lot of fun. And I, I'll be doing nature journaling workshops in other places as well over the coming year. Oh, good. And, uh, and do, do you do um, presentations apart from the ones at Morven, uh, sort of in your own right around the, the Pennsylvania, um, New Jersey area? I will if somebody asks me. I, I'm not, um, I, I don't have canned talks that I promote, but uh, when somebody wants me to come and give a garden tour or a talk, I will usually accommodate them. And so how would they contact you? Can, you, can they contact you through um, the, the Helping Gardeners Grow site? They can either uh, go to Helping Gardeners Grow. I have a link for my contact information there. Or if you go to morven.org and call there, you can, you can reach me at Morven. Okay. Or a message for me at Morven. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so so what else is on your your, your blog site? Because um, I, I, know, I know there's, there's um, are, there, are there links to other places on there that you think would be helpful to gardeners? The new website that I'm designing for, for nature journaling will have a lot more of that. That will be focused on um, exploring nature. So I, I plan on having resource links on that. And that will be more of a proper website rather than just a blog. And I will have a link to Helping Gardeners Grow on that website. Okay. Um, and, and so and do you um, do anything with um, the gift, gifts for, for gardeners on, on your site or your favorite tools and things like that? Is it, do you have links, kind of categories on the side um, that, uh, that would help people maybe if they're on your blog site? I'm, I'm notorious for uncategorizing mine on my blog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I do have categories, but I don't have that one. However, I do have a search uh, engine on helping gardeners grow and if you search for tools you will find that i do have a blog post about my favorite gardening tools some of which we've we've mentioned here today so uh, that could be a a reminder of of different tools and if you do search for tools probably come up with other posts as well that deal with tools that, that i tend to 
go back to and, and favor. Uh-huh. And, uh, and how, how about the, uh, the social media things like, like Facebook and things? Do, do you have a link to, to that on there, or can people find you on Facebook? People can find me on Facebook, Pam Rook. Um, I don't have Helping Gardeners Grow on Facebook. I usually link my blog posts onto there, though, when I write them. And when I do my, my field journaling, I will also put that on Facebook. In fact, I'm hoping to create a Facebook group of journalers. There is a, uh, a similar Facebook um, group on journalers called Artist Journal Workshop, which I've recently joined, which is a lot of fun. Uh-huh. People, people take pictures of their drawings and they put them on this group and some of them are just phenomenal. Uh, mine, I, I, the, the one I'm planning will be similar to that, but instead of being focused only on drawing, it will be more on writing and nature and research. Uh-huh. Um, people look at journaling in many different ways. Uh, those who are experienced in art will look at it as an art exercise. However, not everybody is. Some are more interested in, in poetry, for example, or in science and recording uh, when things bloom. So I think the journaling exercise should be individual, it should be whatever you want it to be. Oh, I think think that sounds a fascinating idea um, because I, I, I know a lot of people would, would maybe um, respond very, very positively. Uh, and it's all, almost like... Um, Maybe go, going back to the older style of writing about gardens, which was distinctly more descriptive. Yeah, and you know, the one gift that we didn't mention that is also a great gift for a gardener is a little journal, garden journal. Um, oh, yeah. When I, when I use a journal, I, I, I use one that is not going to be fancy. You have a fancy journal, you're going to be afraid to write in it. You want just... Uh, a plain journal that will fold open. I like a, a spiral-bound journal because when you're out in the field, you don't want to have to be holding it open. You want to be able to fold it open. So a journal is an excellent idea for a gift mm. if you know somebody who's into drawing, writing, nature, any of the above. Yeah, I, li- I like the ones that have got plain paper on one side and lines on the other, so you can actually um, draw something or design something, and then you can write about it on the other side. Um, so uh, I, I, I yeah. yeah, and I think... Re- yeah, I, I prefer no lines at all, because that way you don't have to write in straight lines. <laughs> you can just, you know, curl your writing all around your drawing or do whatever you want to do with your writing. Well, that's a great idea. Um, but, you know, you know, Pam, we're right at the end of the show for this week. Um, I, w- I want to thank, thank you so much for, for gi- giving us um, the insight to, to your garden gifts. It's been a, it's been a great show. Um, and uh, ev- everyone will be back next week with one more show on gift-giving for gardeners. Um, have a good gardening week, everyone. Join me back here next Saturday. <laughs>